Welcome to Health Currents Radio. I'm Ellen Goldsmith, your host. This show is all about transforming your life through your health. We're going to meet people who've done that, give you the resources to work on it, and share information that inspires and motivates you to make positive changes in your life. My passion is health, and it's what I've done for over 30 years. Thank you to our sponsor, Pearl Natural Health, a naturopathic acupuncture and Chinese medicine clinic located in downtown Portland, Oregon. You can find Pearl Natural Health at pearlnaturalhealth.com. What comes to mind when the phrase women's health is mentioned? Perhaps it's reproductive health, heart health, cancer screenings, bone density screenings, well care. The health of millions of women and girls around the world is quite different and is compromised and threatened daily due to poverty, lack of physical safety, ongoing physical, sexual, and emotional violence, poor access to health care, unequal power relationships between men and women, as well as social norms that decrease education and paid employment opportunities. Today, we are speaking with Ifat Soskain, Executive Director of Madre. Madre is an international women's human rights organization that works in partnership with community-based women's organizations worldwide to address issues of health and reproductive rights, economic development, education, and other human rights. IFAT works with women's human rights activists from Latin America, the Middle East, Asia, and Africa to create programs in their communities to address women's health, violence against women, economic and environmental justice, and peace building. She has written extensively on U.S. foreign policy and women's human rights, and her critical analysis has appeared in online and print publications such as The New York Times, The Washington Post, Foreign Policy and Focus, and The W Effect, Bush's War on Women, published by the Feminist Press. Ms. Suskind has been featured as a commentator on CNN, National Public Radio, and BBC Radio. Today, we're honored to have her here with us on Health Currents Radio. Welcome to the show, Ifat. Thanks for having me, Alan. So the health crises for women and children worldwide are simply staggering, and I wondered if you could help our listeners understand how Madre is working to address these issues and strategize to really bring long-term solutions to supporting women and children's health. Sure. Um, I mean, we we have sort of a dual approach. Um, and I think when you're talking about something as um, immediate and life-sustaining or potentially life-threatening as, you know, health or lack of good health, um, you really have to be both treating symptoms and treating sort of root causes, right? And, um, and you know, anybody who's ever had a serious illness knows that when you're really sick, there is like nothing else going on. And other issues that might be very vital issues of, you know, democracy or civic participation or other things like that kind of recede to the background if you're not, you know, healthy and functioning well in your in your own body. So we do a lot of um, immediate health interventions with small grassroots partner organizations, women's organizations in, in the in the developing world. Um, and in particular, in places where there's not a strong or effective or formalized healthcare system, you really find that it's community women's organizations that are bearing that burden uh, and are are sort of first responders when it comes to health. Um, and so we're working to make sure that they have what they need, whether that's you know medicines or first aid training or 
um, you know, wheelchairs and other kinds of mobility devices in some places, uh, vaccination programs, things like that, that are really very immediate. But also, we're very aware that in the places where we work in poor countries, the number one cause of illness and disease and lack of health is inequality. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that people who are poor are somehow, you know, constitutionally less healthy. Right. What makes people unhealthy is poverty, in a word, and inequality, right? Less access right. to health care and services and not so much health care, but the things that keep us healthy in the first place, which are healthy food, clean water, um, you know, enough opportunity for fulfillment and rest and pleasure in our lives. Um, you know, those are really the core building blocks of health. And in places where people are under tremendous stress because of war, because of poverty, um, because of different forms of extreme inequality that really become life-threatening, you know, health is, um, is, is a real emergency in those places. So we work also on, you know, to treat those, those underlying causes of poor health. Um, by addressing inequality, by addressing human rights violations, uh, by addressing poverty. And those are clearly very long-term goals, so you've got to be able to do both. Absolutely. So how are you doing that? That's so, uh, when I think of it, it, it can be quite overwhelming. I mean, the systemic issues are profound. I mean, not to have a healthcare system in a country is an outrageous thing because there's, how, how do you get how do you get care for people uh, and when there's so much poverty and, and violence, et cetera? So those long-term solutions, those root causes, are, do you have partners in other countries that you work with? Uh, how, how are you, or is it more grassroots organizations that are, are giving that support, so working from the ground up? Yeah, it's it's a multi-pronged strategy, and you're right. I mean, if we, I think if we didn't do um, this immediate response and the long-term work in conjunction, we would be really overwhelmed, mm-hmm. you know, because if, if, if you wake up every day and every day and your goal that day is to, you know, make the world a better place or wipe out inequality or poverty, mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard. To, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to work like that, you know? Right, right. Um, and I think for the women that we work with, again, who are grassroots activists in their communities in Central and South America, in Africa and the Middle East, um, they're dealing you know, they're, they're living really close to the brink of survival in a lot of cases. And they've got to make sure that their own health, the health of the people who they're responsible for, which is their children, their communities, um, that that's attended to. And those bigger issues, uh, you know, if you don't know how you're going to feed your kids today, it's very hard to focus on longer-term issues that are about social change and, and creating, you know, writing injustices and things like that. So we really do both together and make sure that people have what they need to ensure their survival. And when somebody's survival is ensured, that's, that's when some space can open up to talk about, you know, well, why is our water source polluted? And what can we do about it? And how can we organize to make sure that the municipal government, you know, addresses this need that we have here in our community or whatever the case may be? Um, as far as, you know, to answer your question of how we do that, it's, it's a variety of strategies, but what we're doing essentially is working both at the level of communities and in the places where policies are getting made, whether that's the local village council, the national government, or often 
in international spaces. And I think one of the things that many of us, you know, in the U.S. are aware of um, as well is that when it comes to health, a lot of times it's not necessarily, you know, the the the, the Department of Health or the World Health Organization in an international context that's making health policy. Um, that are, or rather creating health conditions, mm-hmm. you know, that the conditions that affect our health are often created um, not by health policymakers, but by, you know, giant polluting corporations or by, you know, industrial agriculture coming up with, uh, you know, genetic, genetically engineered crops that are impacting whole ecosystems or, you know, um, contaminating watersheds with pesticides or things like that. So it's, not even just about targeting policymakers necessarily. It's also about um, looking at at our economies and the way that those impact our health and figuring out how we demand accountability, um, not just from government actors, but also from corporate actors. So I I was really impressed with the fact that you work on so many different levels in different programs. I was I was quite moved by the uh, the program you're doing in with Palestinian women, the Safe Birth Project in Palestine, where you're bringing Israeli and Palestinian midwives together, and so that you know the sense of empowerment, even in a small group, is probably a, a huge win for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely, and and I mean I love that project because it's. Um, a real example of, you know, sort of grassroots organizing and people-to-people support and solidarity that's not necessarily mediated by, you know, governments or giant organizations. And these are, um, you know, midwives from both Israel and and Palestine, the the territories that are occupied by Israel Mm -hmm. right now. And, you know, those women are supposed to be enemies, right? That's what we hear. That's certainly what they're told by their own leaderships. And yet their commitment to healthy childbirth and the health of, you know, women and newborns and communities in general for them is a far more, you know, inspirational and sort of driving force of their, their work and their lives. And they have um, come together out of that commitment and out of a real belief that, you know, every child deserves to be born in peace. And, you know, that that mothers and newborns in particular um, and the relationship between them, you know, that that's, that's a universal experience that really unites all people. And it's a really good starting point for working together and, and building trust across very real conditions that are causing um, inequality and tremendous suffering, including human human rights violations of Palestinian mothers and newborns. Um, and that project really is about, you know, women coming together as, as healthcare providers on a professional basis and through that association being able to act on their commitment both to their profession but also their commitment to peace. Exactly. And just going back to what you were talking about before, where you're seeing the impact of um, policies and and environmental degradation, et cetera, you had mentioned actually before we started speaking about uh, an indigenous um, a healer or indigenous woman in Nicaragua and their holistic approach and, and how that really 
uh, weaves in all of these aspects you were talking about earlier in terms of economy, environment, et cetera, and health. I wondered if you could talk to us a little bit about her and and, and the work there in, in Nicaragua. Sure. Um, you know, I, I had this kind of amazing experience um, last week when uh, our partner, Rose is her name, uh, was here from Nicaragua because we were talking to someone um, from a U.S.-based health organization about the issue of violence against women, which is all over the world one of the biggest threats to women, to the health of women and girls. Yes, um, and that's and that's true in Nicaragua as well. But what was really interesting about Rose's understanding of violence against women was the way that she saw that um, as an indigenous person. And, um, and she said to this person from this U.S. health organization, you know, she said, well, for us, the indigenous people in Nicaragua, you know, when the mining companies come and pollute the river, that's violence against women. And he kind of just looked at her, you know, not clearly not comprehending. And, and she took pity on him and sort of backtracked and explained a bit. Um, but what she ex- wound up, you know, laying out for him was this sort of wonderfully holistic understanding of all of these issues that are are connected and connected for all of us, whether we happen to be, you know, indigenous or not. Um, but there's a way in which our what sort of Western understanding of health, um, you know, sort of silos these different issues so that it's hard to connect them. What she was explaining is that, you know, in, in her worldview, um, the ecosystems that that support her existence and her survival and her welfare and well-being, um, you know, she's, she lives in a rural community, um, and people's survival depends on the, the river being healthy and clean. Now, the fact is that's true for every human being, right. that our survival depends on access for, to clean water. But in her understanding, you know, in particular because women are traditionally responsible for for ensuring water at the ho- for household use, um, and they're the ones going out and bringing water from the river uh, and and giving it to you know the most vulnerable people in our communities, right? Right. right. Small children, elderly people, people who are sick are relying on this life-sustaining resource, and so if it's full of toxic chemicals and pollutants. Not only does it endanger everyone, but as indigenous women, they feel like it's it's a form of violence against them because it is interfering with their ability to meet one of their most important roles in their in the community, which is as not only the providers of water but also as the stewards and the keepers of a safe and clean you know water environment for the community um, and of course the other element of sort of an indigenous understanding of health and the relationship between human health and the environment has to do with their ability to think into the future, right? And some of us are familiar with this idea of maintaining the environment for seven generations, um, which is a, you know, North American indigenous understanding. Um, But you really find that all over the world, that when people really see it as their job in life, to protect the environment because the environment is what protects them. Mm-hmm. They're not just thinking of themselves. You know, that's a very short-term kind of thinking, very affected by, you know, how our economies run and how capitalism functions in terms of thinking always about very short-term gain. Right. Um, and when we think about long-term gain and the health of, you know, generations to come, 
um, that's thinking that's a lot more conducive to preserving health, you know, today and and into the future. In a way, Madre seems to be this international umbrella for women to reconnect and and to become empowered and to then reach out from a very strong center and to affect change. I, I just keep getting this, you know, this weaving of uh, your projects and, and different cultures. Yeah, we do often play this role of being sort of at the hub of this incredibly fabulous network of, you know, really courageous women whose lives kind of, you know, might look really different um, on the surface, but, um, but who all, ha- you know, have in common that they are, um, you know, s- s- take their responsibility as caretakers in their families and their communities very seriously and have a sort of politicized understanding of that and know that, um, that because women are responsible for the well-being of the vast majority of the human family, actually, um, you know, it's, it's, they have a particular stake in, in seeing, seeing health protected and seeing human rights protected more generally, you know, whether we're talking at the level of, of, you know, nuclear disarmament or, you know, things that are, are much more daily and, and close to home for everyone, like water quality. Absolutely. So women all over the world are, have a lot in common. And, and I think culture and nations can divide us, but when we come together, we, we realize, I think you say it very well, that we are caretakers of the family and of the, the world family, in effect. I know next month you're going to be visiting Jordan, where Madre is going to be working on reproductive and maternal care for Syrian refugees and, and general care for families. Uh, is that a, a new project? Is that something that you're just starting out to do? Can you tell us what you'll be doing there? Sure. Um, it's a fairly new project. Um, you know, the the civil war that's been raging in Syria for more than two years now has created a refugee population um, in Jordan of almost a million people. And there are also Syrian refugees in, in Egypt and Lebanon and Turkey. And as, as, as we know, it's a really, really horrific situation for, for all of the civilians. Women and girls um, face particular hardship uh, in that situation because they are made a lot more vulnerable by, by gender inequality, right? So, you know, everyone's lives are, are in danger to a certain extent, but women and girls in particular are targeted, for example, in the context of the armed conflict with rape and sexual violence that's happening on a really horrific scale. Mm-hmm. It's in fact, if you ask families, a lot of them are saying that that's the number one reason why they fled was fear of, that level of, of rape against women and girls in mm-hmm. the conflict. Um, and wherever we see refugee populations, they tend, they are overwhelmingly women and their children. And they are also overwhelmingly, their needs are not met, their needs as women and children. Um, and so what we're seeing in, in Jordan, for example, where we're going to be working is a real lack of um, attention to the needs of people who have been traumatized by sexual violence, who might need particular kinds of um, medical and psychosocial care, a real lack of reproductive health care in general at a time when people need it more than ever because they're 
you know, their nutrition is insecure, their stress levels are incredibly high. Obviously, you know, their lives remain really, really insecure mm-hmm. um, in those camps. Um, and so to be able to come with a team of midwives who, um, you know, can work directly with those women and, and, and give them what they need um, is really very, very gratifying in that situation. Um, there are a lot of problems right now in the camps with uh, forced prostitution, with forced very early marriages of girls, um, in part because families are destitute and, um, and that's an economic transaction, uh, in part because parents sometimes imagine that it's a way to protect their girls a little bit right. if they're in the hands of a husband. Um, unfortunately, what's happening right now is what we see often in conflict zones, which is that um, early marriage has become a real gateway to forced trafficking and sexual enslavement. You know, and a parents might think that they're marrying their daughter to, you know, this respectable young man, but actually she's going to end up in very dire situations um, of being trafficked and, and potentially enslaved as, as in uh, forced prostitution. Mm. Um, so those problems are, are grave, obviously, um, but there's also a lot that can be done if people have the support and the resources they need to cope with being in that environment. Um, and that's part of what we are going to be doing in cooperation with women's organizations on the ground there is, um, you know, education and, and trainings for families, um, about some of the dangers of forced marriage, trying to create some alternatives for people, and making sure that people are able to sustain and support each other as well as possible in a really hard situation of of displacement and insecurity. Well, I wish you the best of luck there and and being safe and and helping those women really get some solace and, and support that sounds like they really need. I was wondering if there's... Something you could leave our listeners with. I mean, everyone can do something, and women around the world can do a lot to support each other. Is there some kind of call to action or something you could tell our listeners that how they could become involved, how they could make a difference, how they could offer help? Sure. I mean, I definitely encourage everyone to visit um, the Madre website and learn more about these programs if they sound intriguing. Um, and also just to say that, you know, as these are issues that can be hard to deal with. You know, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of pain and a lot of sadness in, in these places where we're talking about people's right to health being violated, um, people's human rights in general being violated, but there's also a lot of, um, a lot of strength and a lot of vitality among the women in communities who are doing this work. And so, you know, I would encourage people to not feel, um, like you have to look away because it's just too sad. I think there's that temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, and to really know that, I mean, these women are, are amazing and they're not despairing, even though they are facing these very, very difficult circumstances. And through Madre, through other organizations like ours, there's are very concrete ways to reach out and support the women who are doing that work. Um, you know, with donations of supplies, with donations of funding, with messages of support and with thinking about our own government's policies and the impacts that those have on women and families around the world. Absolutely. So just to, for people to visit your website, it would be to go to www.madre.org. And I, I know on your website you have lots of resources and there are lots of different programs that Madre supports and safe uh, 
school issues and medications and all kinds of programs where people can really uh, make a difference and, and give support to, to you and, and your team around the world, uh, helping our sisters improve their access to health care, their safety, and you know, support their empowerment, really. Yeah, that would be great. We would love for people to join us. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Ifat, for spending the time and also for doing this extraordinary work and connecting with women on a global level to, to empower them and help them have better lives. Yeah, well, thank you. And thanks for helping us spread the word. Okay. That's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ellen Goldsmith. My passion is health, and it's what I've done for over 30 years. Thank you again to our sponsor, Pearl Natural Health, a naturopathic acupuncture and Chinese medicine clinic located in downtown Portland, Oregon. You can find Pearl Natural Health at pearlnaturalhealth.com. You can listen to Health Currents Radio and connect with us on communityradio.fm slash healthcurrentsradio. Find us on iTunes. Download us on the mobile app Stitcher or join in the conversation at facebook.com slash healthcurrentsradio. We want to know how you are transforming your life through your health. Join us next week when we speak with William Spear, Executive Director of the Fortunate Blessings Foundation, on their work and training of second responders in the aftermath of disasters as they address the effects of post-traumatic stress in children. 